Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. We hope and pray the following message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. If you have your Bibles, let's go into the Word of the Lord today. Acts chapter 28 and reading verse 28 through 31. Acts 28, verse 28 through 31. Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles. Look around, we're all Gentiles. And I love what it says next. And they will hear it. I'm glad I've heard the word of the God. I'm glad I've heard the gospel. I'm glad salvation has come to us. Verse 29, and when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no man forbidding him. We read in these four verses, the last four verses of the book of Acts. And we know the book of Acts is the acts of the apostles. It's the actions that they took. It's the birthplace of the church that you and I are a part of. It's a lot longer than 90 years. It's a lot older than 90 years. It's over 2,000 years old. But we begin to hear about the acts of the church and the acts of the apostles. And I love in these words that the Bible says in the last verse that no man forbidding him. And that's important because the last word of the book of Acts That word forbidding in the Greek, it literally means without hindrance and unstoppable. So they wanted to let us know, the writer, Luke, wanted us to have a glimpse in 2022 that the church that we are a part of, the last thing I want you to know when you know about the actions of the apostles is that it is an unstoppable church. And that's what I feel led of the Lord today to preach to this great church from that title, an unstoppable church. And if you would pray with me one more time before we go into the rest of this service, Lord, I thank you today for your presence. I thank you for every guest and every visitor that is here, everyone that has made an effort to be in the house of God today, those that are watching online, Lord, I pray that there will be a connection and the Holy Ghost today. Lord, I pray, Lord, that your spirit will move and have its free course in this service. I pray right now, God, that you will have your will, God, and that, Lord, we will understand before we leave this place today that we are a part of an unstoppable church, God, and that you are doing great things in this hour, God, and we want to be a part of it. If you are hungry to be a part of the unstoppable church today, let's clap our hands one more time unto the Lord with faith and expectation asking him to have his will and his way today in this service. And you can be seated in the presence of the Lord. It's in verse 31 that we find in the incredible book of Acts where the birth of the church has taken place as we've already discussed and we begin to find the moving of the church is going forward. The writer tells us that it is with confidence that we will move forward. That means free and fearless confidence, boldness in the presence of God. And we will be able to be confident in him and we will be unstoppable. I am glad today that we are a part of an unstoppable church. Amen. The book of Acts is the blueprint 
before an unhindered manner and an unhindered movement of God. It shows us exactly what the apostolic church in revival should be. When we are wondering what an apostolic church should look like, how it should function, how it should operate, we don't have to look any further than in the pages in the chapters of the book of Acts. And we will begin to see we are an apostolic church because we believe and we preach the doctrine of the apostles. And the 12 were called the apostles because they were firsthand eyewitnesses of the glory and the power and the teachings of Jesus Christ. And what was the apostles doctrine? We find it in Acts 2, 38 through 42. And the Bible says, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized and the same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. Today, New Life Christian Center, we are a part of an unstoppable church that is not confined to the counties that we live in or the boundaries of our state line. They are not bound to this church or even restricted to the greatest nation on earth, the United States of America. But as sons and daughters of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a job to do. We have been called to reach our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ before his soon and quick coming. And I want to be a part of an unstoppable church, not just for Fairfield County, but for this nation, for our world, and for everywhere that we go. Today, we are not part of a weak church, but we are part of an unstoppable church that was bought with his blood, that he paid the price for, and is coming again quickly. You want to know what an apostolic church is in revival? You want to know what an unstoppable church is? All you have to do is begin to go through the chapters of the book of Acts. And I begin to go through them and begin to write down the things that begin to stand out. And it was very easy to see the first thing we find in an apostolic church is they are a unified church. Acts 2 and 1 tells us that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one accord and in one place. And let's be honest today, we have seen many large groups gather together in stadiums and in conferences, and they're not always together. They can be in one place. Place, but not one accord. If you don't believe that, just go to the big house, the end of November, when Ohio State is visiting Michigan. Or the converse, when Michigan visits the horseshoe. You've got 110,000 people in there, and they are all in one place, but they are not in one accord. And it is proof of that. They are definitely there, but they're not in one mind. They are not in one focus. They are divided as as polar opposites in that hour, one rooting for one team, one rooting for another. And likewise, I have been in churches where you come in and it is filled to capacity, but there's an agenda here and there's an agenda there. But the Bible tells us that an apostolic church, there's only one agenda and that's the Lord Jesus Christ and the saving of the lost. And when we understand that, and I know New Life has done that for almost 90 years, but I'm reminding us today, if we are going 
going to be an apostolic and more importantly, an unstoppable church in this 21st century. We have got to walk and live and sleep and eat and breathe and move in unity. And that means preferring my brother before myself and saying we may be in one place, but we've got to be in one accord. You know how we all get in one accord? Looking under the author and the finisher of our faith. If we will look unto him and say, not my will, but thine will be done, we will come into perfect unity. One passion, unanimously the Bible translates the word unity. I want to have one passion in this hour. Characteristics of an apostolic, unstoppable church is we see they are a Holy Ghost-filled church and a Holy Ghost-empowered church. Zechariah 4 and 6 tells us, It's not by might nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Programs will come and programs will go. There will be new tools and techniques that will be tried in every church across the world, but true apostolic revival only comes through the sovereign work of the Holy Ghost because that's when we step back and the Holy Ghost steps in and we can say, look what the Lord has done. This is the Lord's doing and it's marvelous in our sight. If we are going to be an unstoppable church, we've got to be full of the Holy Ghost and the fire. And I'm not talking just a little dip here and there. We've got to be full of the Holy Ghost every day. Or the danger is carnality will begin to leak into our lives. And when carnality begins to work in us, it's not long that sin will be at the door. And then it's not long that we begin to distance ourselves, And we begin to go from this row to that row to that row. And I'm not saying anything about those in the back of the church. But you watch it in the lives of people that digress them. You know why? Because they're not full of the Holy Ghost. We've got to stay full of the Holy Ghost. An unstoppable church in the book of Acts was a noisy church, and it was full of boldness. In the book of Acts, everyone in the city heard them, and the marvelous works of God were noised abroad. They were not afraid for people to know what they believed. They were not afraid for people to hear the power of the Holy Ghost flowing and operating out of them. In this hour, we've got to be noised abroad. I'm not talking about standing out there tooting over own horn, but having a mind that says I am full of the Holy Ghost and I am going to be led of the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost can have its will and its way in my life. It's got to be a boldness in us. I think of my uh, grandmother, B. That woman, I've shared this before, but for maybe some of this, I heard it. I remember as a seven, eight, nine-year-old, we would travel all over the state of Ohio. She was a very spontaneous person. She would look at my dad on a summer afternoon or summer morning and say, let's go to Parkersburg, West Virginia for lunch. And my dad, we would get in the car and drive to Parkersburg. She would say to next day, let's go to Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we would drive. She just was that kind of spontaneous person. But the spontaneity did not bother me near as much as the boldness that was in that woman. Because without fail at a restaurant every single time, but I never will forget the first time as she sat there eating her lunch and I was enjoying just being with grandma and with dad and being out of the state of Ohio and traveling a little bit. And all of a sudden, without fail, her face would flush red, tears would stream down her face and under her mouth, under her voice, she would say, Jesus. And all of a sudden, that first time, I'll never forget, she forgot she gave my dad her purse and she began to walk over to a table of strangers and I'm sitting there thinking, where is she going? What is she doing? Dad, get hold of your mother. But you know what? She walked over to that table and Grandma B was deaf as a post. You could listen to every single program in her house from sitting in the driveway of her house. That's not an exaggeration. 
You could hear every word of Channel 10 News sitting in the driveway with the windows closed and the door shut. She was that deaf. So needless to say, when she came over, she said, God bless you, sir. So it wasn't a private conversation between a stranger and another stranger. The entire restaurant knew Grandma B was talking to these people. And without fail, it would come out of her, sir, the Lord just quickened me. Why are you running from him? Why are you walking away from him? And I'm thinking, you're going to get us killed. <laughs> what are you doing? But all of a sudden, tears would begin to run down that man's face. And he would say, ma'am, how did you know I was running from God? And, and I prayed today, and I didn't watch that one time. I didn't watch it 30 times. I didn't watch it 50 times. I would say near 100 times in my lifetime, I watched that frail woman walk over to a table of strangers, men or women. It didn't matter what background they were. It didn't matter what color they were. It didn't matter how rough and gruff they were. It didn't matter what they were drinking, what they were eating. She would walk over there, and she would begin to share with them what God had placed on her heart. And every single last time, those people were respond without fail and say, how did you know? And many times she would lay hands on them in that restaurant and pray for them and God would renew them in the Holy Ghost or God would strengthen them or she would invite them to a service somewhere or connect them with a pastor of that city. I'm just telling somebody, if we are going to be an unstoppable church, there's got to be an apostolic boldness that comes upon us in this hour that says, God, whatever you want to do, I am available. Use me in this hour. Paul said in Romans 1 and 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also unto the Greek. If we are going to be an unstoppable church, we must be an evangelistic church. The gospel should not pre be, the gospel should be preached everywhere and by everyone that is a believer. We have not been empowered to sit on the sidelines and watch our world on a terminal course for hell, but we have been empowered to share the gospel or the good news everywhere we go. And I know many people say, but brother Gibbs, I'm not an evangelist. Let me begin to share with you what the word of God says, the definition of an evangelist is this, the name given to anyone in the New Testament that was a messenger of salvation, though through Christ they were not apostles. In other words, these were men and women that went out and shared the gospel with other people, but they were not apostles. They were not eyewitnesses, but they went out and shared the gospel. If you have received the power of the Holy Ghost, let me tell you today, you are an evangelist for the Lord Jesus Christ. Grandma B was never licensed with the United Pentecostal church, but I watched her reach many souls in restaurants and buffets across our nation. You know why? Because she understood that we have been empowered to reach the lost. You want fulfillment? Reach a soul. You want happiness in the kingdom of God? Reach a soul. The greatest joy you will ever have in your life is watching somebody step up out of their pew and walk down to an altar and be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost all because you were willing to share your testimony or a word with them and to bring transformation to their life. If we are going to be an unstoppable church, we must be a doctrinally sound church who knows the word of God and the God of the word. If we are going to be unstoppable in this hour, we have got to be a church in fellowship. The book of Acts teaches us how shall men know you are my disciples? Jesus said, if you have love one for another, the world is watching us church, not just in this building. We can love in here easy, but they're watching us on the breaks at work. 
work. They're watching us on the golf courses. They are watching us when we're out hunting. They're watching us when we're in restaurants. They are watching us everywhere. But we have got to be a church and fellowship one with another. Why? Because we are the body of Christ. First John four nineteen tells us we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. When we have love one for another in this building, it's great. But when the love goes beyond the four walls of New Life Christian Center, that's when people are one to the Lord. We can love them with our attitude. We can love them with our personality. We can love them by praying for them. And we can love them by sharing with them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are a part of an unstoppable church. Amen. An unstoppable church in the book of Acts understands the words of Jesus. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Our former, our former regional director of Africa, Brother Jerry Richardson is now retired living in Tennessee and he retired for about six months pastor and then he decided to go pastor a church again. Told everybody I'm retiring. Six months later, he's pastoring in his 70s. But you know what, Brother Richardson made a statement one time. He said that scripture, the word of God there in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. He said, Chris, I can preach an entire sermon from each word in that sentence. He said, I've preached an entire hour on the word I alone because the Lord said, I will do it. And then he said, I can preach an hour on will because it didn't say maybe, didn't say possibly, but the Lord said will, it will be accomplished. He said, I can preach an hour on build because the Lord will build the church. And the Lord said, it's my church. He said, it reminds me daily, it's not mine, it's not yours, it's not ours, but it's his church and he will build it. He said, I can preach an hour that it's the church. It is the ecclesia, the called out. It is the redeemed of the Lord. He said, I can preach that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He said, I can preach that hour after hour. And today I can remind us that the Lord said, I will build my church. And today we are a part of an unstoppable church in this hour. And if you believe that, let's clap our hands under the Lord today and thank him that we are part of the kingdom of God. An unstoppable church is a church in daily revival, the book of Acts tells us. It is not a Wednesday church. It is not a Sunday church only, but it is a daily church, effective and active in the kingdom of God, reaching the lost everywhere. Uh, someone is sick in a crowd, let's say. We're out somewhere today at lunch, and you're, let's say, Texas Roadhouse, and you're there, and you hear somebody begin screaming frantically for a doctor, saying, is there a doctor here? Somebody, please help us. They never scream for a doctor uh, uh, laughing or joyful. You always hear there's a plead in their voice because there's desperation. Is there a doctor here? And the doctor does not stay quiet and sit there because it's his day off and he doesn't sit there because the doctor understands I am a doctor with or without my office. I am a doctor whether I'm in Texas Roadhouse or I am in the hospital. I am a doctor everywhere I go. How much more should we as the children of God realize I am a child of God and it's not a win Wednesday thing and a Sunday relationship, but everywhere I go, every day, I am a child of God and I am aware of the kingdom of God. I am a part of, I am involved in an unstoppable force in this world every single day. The book of Acts tells us 
that it was a church that had favor with all people. When we are an apostolic church and we are moving in that unstoppable power, we begin to see God give us favor and open door after door. And I know pastor could testify of 28 years of the favor that God has given this church just since he has been here. And our elders could testify going back how God has given favor when we are moving forward and understand who we are in him. God will give us divine favor everywhere we go. That unstoppable church is a church that experiences and operates in the miraculous. It's a church that sees signs, wonders, and miracles. And I believe in this hour, we are seeing them more than ever before. Are we here following the signs, wonders, and miracles? Of course not. The word of God tells us that the signs, wonders, and miracles follow us as we preach the word, believe the word, live the word. Then those things begin to accompany them. We're not here for the signs and wonders. I'm here for the sign giver. I'm here for the wonder giver. I'm here for him and him alone. But as an unstoppable church, we should see the miraculous in our midst. An unstoppable church is one that faces challenges yet overcomes them. An unstoppable church is one that has angelic visitations, angelic announcements, deliverances, and jail sales that are opened. When we begin to live and move and operate as an apostolic unstoppable church, we will see an angelic visitation in our midst. God will send them in because the Bible says angels are sent under the heirs of salvation. If you've received salvation, you are an heir. And that means those things are entitled to us. I'm not here to pursue angels. I'm not here to worship them. The Bible teaches against it. But I know God can send supernatural help to open a lion's den. He can send it to open a prison. He can send in angels to do works and miracles in the lives of families. You know why? Because we are a part of an unstoppable church. An unstoppable church is one that is actively making disciples and equipping them for ministry. It's a delegating church that realizes we can't do it by ourselves, but we've got to broaden out. The first thing Jesus Christ did in his earthly ministry was train 12 men and prepare them because he knew you've got to carry this on. Jesus reached Jerusalem and Jesus reached Israel, but those 12 men turned the world upside down as they begin to scatter to the four winds of the earth. I am thankful today for a church that delegates. I am thankful for a church today that equips and makes disciples for ministry. An unstoppable church is one that has leadership that gives themselves continually to prayer and ministry of the word. Thank you, Pastor Keller, for praying. Thank you, Pastor Keller, for fasting. Thank you for 28 years of pouring yourself into Fairfield County. I said it the other day at lunch. I don't know where this man would be without that man. Thank you for every sermon you preached. Thank you for every song Sister Keller sang. Thank you for giving yourself for the ministry. Thank you on a Wednesday night when maybe the crowd was low, you still brought a powerful word that got hold of an 18-year-old, a 21-year-old. Thank you for preaching the word of God. Thank you for the word. What are the characteristics of an unstoppable apostolic church? We're not gonna like this one, but there's martyrs. What are martyrs, people willing to die for revival? Scripture tells us, give us souls lest we die. 
Jesus said, except we're willing to lose our life, we will not find it. The Lord in this hour is looking for spiritual martyrs, people who will pray, people who will fast, people who will come and stay in this church until something shifts in their home or their family, people that are willing to say, I must decrease, that he will increase. An unstoppable apostolic church has got martyrs everywhere, people that have made up their mind, I'm willing to lay aside everything. Some of us got to let our careers die. Some of us got to let our ambitions die. Some of us got to let some relationships die and say, I'm willing to be a martyr. Why? Because if I'm willing to pursue him, if I will seek him and his kingdom first, all of these other things will be added. But I'm willing, Lord, in this hour, let us be willing to be martyrs for the kingdom of God. An unstoppable church is one that expects and sees prodigals coming home. We must make ready for the backslider to come home. In the story of the prodigal son, we notice that the father did not become like his lost son to win him back again, but rather he made preparations for his return. The father trained the servants and spoke faith to them every single day and to every single servant. And over and over again, the mantra in the father's house was, my son will come home one day and we are preparing for it now. Every servant in the father's house knew that the son was coming home. Why? Because we've heard it over and over and over again. A father speaking by faith. We've heard the rumors. The boy is down in the pig's pen, living a riotous and wicked life. But we keep hearing at home. The father said the boy is going to turn and the boy is going to come home. And he kept pouring that into the people. And let me encourage somebody today. The prodigals will come home. But you won't win them going to where they are. You won't win them dressing like them. You won't win them acting like them. You won't win them letting loose of the things you believe to go get them. That's not how it works. Only the shepherd, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, has the power to leave the 99 and get the one. Only he has the power. But the example is clear for us. We've got to stay in the Father's house. And we've got to make preparations and prepare for the lost that are coming. There's not enough square footage on this property if every backslider and every prodigal of New Life Christian Center in 90 years came home. Pastors love and despise building projects. They go in black-haired and come out gray. And everybody else just thinks it's wonderful. It's King's Island every day. But I'm telling you, it's not enough land on New Life Christian Center's 22 acres for what God would give us if he would begin to bring back all the backsliders. But we have got to prepare. The father made sure the house was nothing like the world. The last thing the boy, the prodigal son wanted when he came home or came to himself was to leave the husk of the pig pen and the sins of the world only to come home and find exactly what he had left behind. But the father made sure, the father made sure, the father made sure that the house was nothing like the world the son had left behind and abandoned. The church must be a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Everyone in this city should know where New Life Christian Center is, where the house of the Lord is, and what is waiting for them on the inside. I believe right now, let's just raise our hands. If there's a prodigal in your family, let's lift up their name right now before the Lord, and let's pray right now. Lord, I pray right now. 
for the prodigals in my family. I pray for my cousin Gabriel and Solomon. I pray for my uncle Buddy and my aunt Nancy. And I pray, Lord, for his children. And I pray, Lord, that you will step into our families, extended near and far. I pray right now, God, that, Lord, as we prepare this house for them, that you will turn them back to the Father's house and we will find salvation and restoration and joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, we want to be an unstoppable church. We need the prodigals because they already know the apostolic message. They already know the word of God. They've already received the Holy Ghost, already been baptized in his glorious name. They know what it's like to live an overcoming life. But time and chance and circumstances and hurts and pain has caused them to drift. But if they could come home, it would not be long how they could be restored and put back into use in the kingdom of God. I believe if God will give us a revival of prodigals, it will be the older workers for the revival that the world is getting ready to experience. Give us laborers, Lord. It's a 2,000-year-old prayer. An unstoppable church is one that sees supernatural conversions. The book of Acts told us of a mayhem-causing, church-persecuting tyrant named Saul that was on his way to shut down the church and had a light from heaven, a glorious light, knock him off of his beast of burden and caused him to be blind for three days in darkness and obscurity. But that man that was knocked off to that beast of burden became the world's known greatest missionary and the New Testament's most prolific author pertaining 66% of your New Testament word of God all because of an encounter with God we know him as the Apostle Paul and people we cannot even imagine coming into the kingdom are going to come into the kingdom they will come into the church it's an apostolic revival and it's an unstoppable church we've got to believe for supernatural conversions was in this altar Wednesday, walking with Rod Well. He makes a statement, I'm praying for someone that they come back to the Lord. He said, but their head's hard as concrete. But Brother Well, an apostolic, unstoppable church sees, uh, oh, we see conversions that are supernatural. We see God get hold of people that people would write off. I promise you, if we were alive and well in Jerusalem during the time of Saul, we would have said that man is off limits. But now, all of a sudden, he is the most prolific author of the New Testament, the world's greatest missionary. And we talk about this man, Paul, probably every single day of our lives because of the life, all because of a supernatural transformation that happened I shouldn't be here my grandfather Gerald McClung Gibbs not on the testimony of one but dozens nastiest meanest wickedest man on planet earth my dad's best friend John Witt said at 20 years old John was 6 foot 2 220 pounds in good shape he said I wouldn't even walk into your dad's house if Gerald was home it was like on eggshells. You didn't know if he would hit you, punch you, beat you. You didn't know what the man would do. Wickedness. But I'll never forget hearing the stories. 51 years ago this August, 
My dad walked into a church on Yearling Road in Columbus, Ohio, and Willis Davis's church, and Billy Cole prayed my dad through to the gift of the Holy Ghost, and it began sending something supernatural conversions in the Gibbs family. That my dad went that afternoon. His dad was dying of throat cancer, and nobody was really that sad about it because he was such a wicked man, but something got in my dad that day, the power of the Holy Ghost on Yearling Road in Columbus, Ohio, and my dad went to the hospital and told his dad, I'm checking you out of the hospital. Brother Cole will be at the Park Street Church in Lancaster, Ohio tonight. And dad, I have found what we have been looking for. And the old man said, I don't want nothing to do with it. And my dad on his hands and knees wept and begged his dad. And he finally agreed. They checked him out of the hospital, brought him down for Sunday night service at Park Street of all places. Billy Cole laid hands on my grandfather while he spitting up blood in a handkerchief and prayed him through to the gift of the Holy Ghost. And before he died 90 days later, he looked at my dad and said, Jerry, I have done everything this world has to offer. And I missed the best part. And they preached at his funeral about the man that received one penny's wage for a day and another man that received it at the last hour. You know what? Our God is going to give us the same wage. It doesn't matter if we've been a part of the church our entire life or we come in just today. We are going to still receive the same full salvation. We're still going to receive every single sin remitted by the power of the blood. We are going to see supernatural conversions. And when they came in the church within one year, 38 of the Gibbs family followed my dad into the kingdom of God. There are supernatural conversions that are waiting in your family and you think they're off limits, they are not. We are a part of an unstoppable church. And it's time to see those supernatural conversions. An unstoppable church is a multi-revival, multicultural church from every culture, creed, language, and color. Revelation 7 and 9 tells us, after this beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number out of every nation, kindred, people, and tongue, stood before the throne of the Lamb. The Lord is getting ready to bring a revival in that we cannot count. Brother Weaver's an awesome man when it comes to numbers. Brother Darst is a great man with numbers, but the Word of God says this what's coming. No man can number it. God is going to reach in everywhere and reach souls around the world and God is going to do it because we are a part of an unstoppable church we are an unstoppable church if we can rejoice and worship in the face of persecution instead of complaining Psalms 34 18 tells us the Lord is nigh unto them that are of broken heart if you're in a broken place you're in a good place for the Lord saveth such that have a contrite spirit many are the afflictions of the righteous if you are trying to live your best and you are facing battle after battle you are in a good position today because the word of God continues but the Lord delivereth him out of them all we see the Lord stepping in and bringing deliverance if we can learn to rejoice and worship in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our persecution. We will see it. And lastly, an unstoppable church sees the expansion of their influence. 
It's a revival church. It's not just a local influence, but it's a global force, whether it's reaching people in Lancaster or Fairfield County, Perry County, Hawking County, the state of Ohio, America, Africa. It really doesn't matter. It's all about reaching souls. Habakkuk 2 and 14 tells us, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It is happening and it's going to happen more. Why? Because you and I are a part of an unstoppable church. We are a part of an apostolic end time church that is getting ready for the soon coming of the Lord. And we know what he's expecting of us. We're unstoppable. The revival God wants to give us should be without hindrances. We should be free to operate in the power of his might. But the word of God delineates for us several potential hindrances that we should be aware of. And leadership in Africa and in many places when we teach leadership are asked to do that. Uh, even in Malawi, we use it on a regular basis. We use something that is called SWOT, S-W-O-T. It's an acronym. It was invented in the 1960s by a management consultant by the name of Albert Humphrey, who was a Stanford University professor. SWOT is a tool that is used for situational analysis. It's a way to accurately measure things. And we've got it up here, I think, SWOT. There it is, SWOT, S-W-O-T, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And we do this with every program in Malawi. We do this with every crusade. We do this with every aimer that comes in and out. What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? What are their opportunities? What are their threats? And the word of God lets us know uh, that we should look at some of these threats that the word of God teaches us uh, that could hinder us from being the unstoppable entity that God wants us. The first thing we've got to look at that could be a threat to the church is our perception, our vision, what do we see? Do we see the glass half full or do we see it half empty? Abraham Lincoln said it this way. We can complain because the rose bushes have thorns or you can rejoice because the bushes have roses. <laughs> it's all about perspective. Do we have natural vision or spiritual vision? It's in 2 Kings 6. Elisha and his servant are surrounded by the armies of Syria. The servant says, my master, how shall we do? In other words, things are looking bad and we are in trouble. And the servant's thinking to himself, I'm not a, a genius when it comes to numbers, but there's the prophet, there's me, and there are the armies, plural, of Syria. And these are men of war, men of power, and they are there, and they are great and great and powerful. What are we going to do? It's just you and I, Elisha. But Elisha, the man of God, began to pray and said, Fear not, for they that are with us are more than they that be with them. And that young boy is thinking to himself, It's just you, it's just I. I don't see anything except the armies of Syria. What are we going to do? His vision was natural, it wasn't spiritual. But as the man of God began to pray, all of a sudden the young man began to see the mountain full of horses and chariots of fire. His perspective went from natural to supernatural. And just a moment, if we are going to avoid every pitfall, we've got to make sure in this hour that we pray daily, give us supernatural perspective, give us supernatural vision. Let us see things, God, through your eyes in this hour. Let us, Lord, look at our problems and our scenarios and our situations and the things we face daily. Let us not look through the natural eyes, but let us look through spiritual eyes, knowing that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Number two, our experiences can be hindrances. Experiences can be a good thing, but they can also be a hindrance in our walk with God. What do you mean, Brother Gibbs? If we allow our previous experiences 
to dictate how we think God will work. We can miss what he is wanting to do this time in our lives. Yes, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not, but his methods do. And if we get stuck in how he does it rather than who is doing it, we can stop the way God wants to move in our lives. Moses is told by God, we know the story well, to strike the rock with his staff and water will come out for millions of people to drink. And years passed and the Lord asked Moses to do the same exact job again. I need you to, to get uh, to the rock and water will come out. But this time, Moses, don't strike it with your staff. I need you to speak to the rock. But Moses leaned on his experience instead of the voice of the Lord in the moment. And it cost him his promised land. One of my prayers this year has been and remain, Lord, do it your way. Don't let our past experience stop what God is wanting to do fresh and anew and our lives right now. Let us say, God, open our perspective. God, let my experiences, Lord, be there to be a blessing, not a hindrance. No matter what goes on, God, let me be attentive to your voice in this hour. And if you believe that, let's clap our hands unto the Lord. I'll be listening attentively to your voice. The third thing that could be a hindrance to us is our will. I don't want to limit God by what Chris Scott, Christopher Scott Gibbs once. I've missed opportunities in my life because of my will. Have you ever had that happen? Maybe just the missionary. But I want to make sure, God, don't let my will get involved. If Jesus Christ can train his disciples and train us and show them one last time what it's all about, not my will, but thine will be done. Let that be something that is in us day in and day out. For Romans 8, 28 tells us, and we know that all things work together. If we could wake up every day and remind ourselves of that word of God that is inerrant and fallible and changes not, that all things that go on in my life are happening and work together for good to them that love God. If I love God and I am called according to his purpose, then I know God is letting everything work out for my favor. It may look like a step back. It may look like a stumbling stone, but God is going to turn it around and God is going to get the glory. If I can remind myself every day, not my will, but thine will be done, O Lord. And number four, lastly, it's our faith. In this hour, we simply need pure childlike faith. As we deputized over the last two plus years, I heard that question more than I can remember. Brother Gibbs, why do you see more miracles overseas than we do in the North American church? And the answer is always the same. It's just because they have simple childlike faith. People would say it's because they have nothing. No, I've watched the people that have things and possessions. They still just simply believe. If you ask them, can God open blind eyes? They say, sure, easy. And they'll walk to the altar and pray for that. Does everybody get healed in Malawi? You've heard me say it before. Absolutely not. But there's something supernatural when we just let childlike faith rise up within us. And God begins to get glory. We must have an unstoppable faith in this hour. A faith that refuses to give up or give in. A faith that asks. A faith that will seek. A faith that will knock until the door is open. The Lord spoke to me a while ago. It was several years ago in this church. And I've shared it before. Standing right over there by the edge. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, when the people's faith reaches the level I desire, my answer and my response will be to them over and over again. I will. I long for the day when our faith is at that place where we can just say a prayer and God's response is, I will. 
when we can pray for things we've longed for and fasted for and desired for and dreamed of and just say, God, I'm praying for it now. And God's response is, I will, I will, I will. God said he would withhold no good thing from them that walk uprightly before him. And I want to be uprightly before him. And I want to come with a boldness to ask that God's will will be done in my life. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.